Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to the show. Another episode of Other You. Today on the episode, I have with me, um, man, this is a buddy of mine that I met through mobile gaming. But he's so cool. He's an equity partner <laughs> at an IT firm. He's been a DJ for over 20 years. Uh, when we were talking, he's like, uh, not so much anymore. So I wrote down in my notes, he's a former DJ. Are you ever really a former DJ? No. Uh, that's a good question, actually. I don't think so. But right, it's, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> he's, he is a current DJ, just very selective about his, his jobs. He's located outside the U.S. He is in Denmark near Copenhagen. Please welcome to the show, Tommy Sorensen. Thank you for being thanks, here, my man. guy. Thanks, man. And thanks, man. And a pleasure to be here. Excellent. And thanks for the invite. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. For sure. So um, we've been playing this mobile game for a couple of years now. Um, when I I joined the group that, that, that we played together with last year sometime. So it's been about a year that we've known oh. each other. Ish. Yeah, more or less. Like, ish. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty good. It's, it's one of the things that you never really expect to make friends or develop actual friends with with people in in mobile games. But I mean, I come from the the generation of of people that in their like late teens and early twenties are playing internet games and making like actual real life friends. I know so many people that got married playing like um, online RPGs. Yeah. That yeah, exactly. I mean, so it's, cool. I mean, I think, uh, and, and looking at, you know, both uh, my son now, uh, he's six turning seven uh, mm-hmm. a month, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my daughter as well, she, you know, he's playing either, you know, Fortnite or uh, <laughs> that's great. something else. I mean, uh, and yeah. he's just, you know, and, you know, talking to, you know, his classmates via Fortnite and meeting other mm-hmm. guys and so on. And, of course, he's still sick, so it's really, you know, just high, high, and that's it, more or less. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it just comes naturally. I mean, it's yeah. just, that's how it is. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, either it's, of course, it's a bit interesting, but also I'm a bit, you know, uh, you, you should go outside and play with the pole or doing something else. I mean, go bicycle, do something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's just, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually quite, uh, quite strange, but, you know, looking back when I, you know, I had my first event back then I had a, you know, a, a Sega, do you know, that's a oh, really yeah. old console. Yeah. Way back. Early nineties, uh, Sega master system. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Playing Sonic and so on. And oh, then yeah. I mean, there was no instant back then, but I mean, right. when, when I got that, I was just, I just got, you know, sucked into that universe and just playing. And then I never mm. came out of it basically. Yeah. So Sega's Nintendo's and, oh, you know, yeah. uh, PCs and so on. It's going to be, yeah. So I've been, <laughs> always been a bit of a nerd around that. And oh, it, yeah. it's actually, yeah. Good. Nice. What, what I think what I love is the evolution of, uh, relating to people on the internet. Right. So it, when, when it started out, it was always be wary of everyone you meet on the internet. Right. And there's there are so many jokes now about, you know, when you were a kid, uh, don't ever meet anyone on the Internet. Don't go in a car with strangers. And then now you specifically use an app on your phone to call a stranger to your house to get in their car. Right. So it's 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 been fun watching the evolution of relation relationships that are kind of rooted in, you know, being technologically or Internet. connected. Yeah. 
I agree. I mean, it's it's. I think it's just you know part of the evolution, as you say. Also, I mean that we are getting more mature to actually do this. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean the first chats that I remember, there was just like uh, some cursing and then some other cursing, and that, that, that was more or less it. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was just oh, like I can uh, swear. Yeah, I'm gonna swear yeah, all so, the time. Yeah, now. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and then just. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. It, it's funny. And, uh, and, and, you know, and I think also that it now turns into that, you know, uh, let's say the more mature people now, mm-hmm. your age, my age, and so on, still gaming, still having the fun of it. I mean, oh, and yeah. that's, I know, part of, you know, at least the game that we are playing now is just, it's, it's quite, you know, a, I wouldn't say old crowd, but it, mm-hmm. I mean, mature then at least we are all in the, yeah at least almost 40s i mean it's uh, it's mm-hmm. actually quite interesting yeah compared to if you play you know, I know Fortnite or something else i mean right. it's uh right i think what, what, what lends itself to um being for, for people that are older especially the game that, we, that you and i play is that it doesn't require uh the the hand-eye coordination of a 13 to 15 year old um, oh. the way that Fortnite does. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I learned that the majority of professional gamers, their, their career lasts from like 13 to like 25. Right. And mm-hmm. then 25 is like, that is, that is as old as you can get to be <laughs> as competitive as a 13 year old, just because they're able to react their reaction time and hand-eye coordination is yeah. Like off the charts oh, at that yeah. age. So, yeah. I mean, the game that we play, it lends itself to being able to, okay. I mean, you still have to have a measure of that and time things right and, you know, be on and pay attention and be on top of it, but not to the measure of like on a swivel scanning the environment and no, snap clicking that. to shoot somebody, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's fun to watch. And I love watching, um, you know, people that are really good play games. Cause I'm like, oh, I could mm. do that. No. No, I can't. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can't. No, I can't. And and at this and point in my life, there's I, there's no amount of practice that I can put in to make me anywhere no. near, you know, that quick. Yeah. It just doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. I mean, that's a, and and also, I mean, it. But you know, something never changed around you know gaming because still the game that that we are playing. I mean, it doesn't require much. But mm-hmm. of course, if something happens and we somehow die in the game and and so on it really rare is the guy who's playing it it always the game that is either lacking or we have some issues with the phone mm-hmm. or the screen is oh, off yeah. and so on and then it's just like when i'm yeah. hearing my son playing fortnite and I'm like ah he shoot me up oh, got them uh, ipad doesn't work and blah blah, yeah. blah. Like, yeah right <laughs> he, he was just better than you and you just screwed up and, like, yeah. oh. and so on and yeah it's really funny to actually see that so yeah that's great yeah. that's great it's rare that i complain out loud right but when i do <laughs> if my wife is around she's like babe are you okay i'm like oh yes i'm fine what are you mad at i'm like well i'm mad at myself i'm, I'm angry with myself for failing to th- tap with my thumbs in a way that is better than I currently am. I'm just angry that I cannot swipe or tap in time. I'm dying and it's frustrating me. It's like, well, maybe play something else. Like, no, this is that problem is going to persist through all the games because I'm the lowest common denominator here. Okay. And I'm so angry with me, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's like, well, I don't like the negative energy. You know, so maybe yeah. just don't outburst. I was like, all right, I'll try not to. And then like 10 <laughs> minutes later, I'm like, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, uh, 
that's actually yeah the same for me it's like yeah so um it's it is it is (laughs) cool beans all right so let's let's go ahead and dive into the content of the episode um Tommy, hit us with your decision. And for those of you, if you're first time listening, um, as the intro stated, we're going to explore a decision or a time in Tommy's life where something happened. Um, and we're going to talk about that. And then I'm going to re-envision life for him, um, either going down a different road or making a different decision and how that mm-hmm. may have impacted him. So hit us with your decision, my friend. I mean, um, I think when you actually asked me the question, it was like, oh, what, what can it be and so on. And I think when just looking back, I think one of the most, you know, the situation that, that just still is quite clear in my mind is around, I was around 10, almost 11 years old. Uh, okay. My mom got, that got, got divorced way back. Uh, and when I talked to my dad there and he said to me, looking at me in the eyes and now you are the man in charge of this home. So please do your best. Something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. and that is just still so deeply in me. So on. So, I mean, then seeing my mom still working her job, taking care of my sister and me working her, sorry, ass off just to actually pay rent and yeah. give us clothes and so on. It was just like, Oh, I need to help her. I really need to do something. So around, Got my first job at 12, you know, handing out newspapers, basically. Really a crappy job here in Denmark. And I only got, I could only do it in the weekends at night. So I was up around two or three Saturday and Sunday night and working eight hours to hand out newspapers as a paper boy. And I was paid like nothing. But just to have to her, you know, give something in return to my mom to pay rent or yeah. sort off at least. Um, yeah. And then just, uh, in, and then it's just kicked off from there and had my first, let's say, real job around 14, mm. where I was just working at a, uh, at an old company that was actually uh, uh, maintaining trucks and so on. So I was just there, you know, what called dust bars, you know, dusting off places and cleaning uh, trucks and mm. so on for a lot of time. And, and then back and then I just started working and found out I was actually quite good at, you know, working. So sure, I worked yeah. every day, basically Monday to Friday after school, preschool sometimes mm. if it was possible. And then, um, and then it, it's, it, and then it's just cascaded from there when, and then I had another job where I suddenly, um, found uh, a friend that actually works in the music industry. So, mm. and it's like, ah, do you have time for working for me as well? Like, yeah, I'll do that. So I was working mm. there plus in the weekends in another place. And then, uh, I more or less, I got paid for actually selling CDs and selling music in general. And then I more or less used all, all the money that I made there. I just bought CDs from because then I just found this passion for music and so yeah. on. I'm a terrible singer. I can't play any <laughs> instrument, but I say, okay, what can I do then? What can I do? Yeah. I, I'll become a DJ. Yeah. Let's go. do that. So, um, so I was, I was 16 back then. And 16. Something like that. So I, there okay. I kicked off my, uh, DJ career, nice. still work, still in school, still working as a right. dust boy as well. And then in the weekends working at, 
at selling music and then at night in the weekends then playing uh, playing as a DJ for you know whatever parties that I could find but yeah. back then that wasn't much but but still sure. it started okay and then uh, so uh, yeah and then I got a con- and then I got contacted by you know not an agency but something like that here that was okay. arranging a lot of private parties and so I was like yeah I need some you know a DJ that is fairly young that can play to the younger crowd sure okay can you help me there? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then, uh, then I actually had jobs more or less every weekend suddenly. And wow. then, you know, things just evolved. Uh, and then 17, 18, then I was old enough to play at clubs. And then ah. I started playing clubs here. Uh, uh, and then Marcus will still not then back then I wasn't the dog boy anymore, but then, uh, I worked more or less full time at this, uh, record store basically just selling out cds and still using most of my salary just buying music so mm-hmm. but uh, still working still at home still paying my my mom whatever rent i could and then studying on the side mm. as well so it has been a crazy 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 period in my life but i mean just knowing that i that i should you know take care of you know my family and my mom and so on that was really important for me to actually go out and do something with my life basically yeah. uh, and and i never had you know any plans or, or career plans on where i should end up eventually but it it was just by coincidence that i met somebody that met somebody else and then suddenly i was you know a dj playing at a club in central copenhagen i mean it's really funny uh, how yeah. things just evolve sometimes yeah. um so um and then um i was actually again you know then i finished my studies and then uh, i think now what and i was a bit bit tired of of school so i said okay i, I need to find some you know a trainee place something where i can do something and then i just uh, starting to uh fill out my resume and then just send it out to, you know, mm. all types, banks, uh, insurance companies, uh, some advisory stuff, uh, pension brokers, all types of just try just shooting out blindly just to see if it was something happened basically. Is this and after then, secondary uh, school or after university? After university. So this is after university. All, okay. Yeah. All we have something, uh, in the, I'm not sure what it's called in English. I'll just Google it here, just a second. Uh, uh, so we have a business college. It's called apparently business. So college, um, okay. uh, yeah. So I so I, I attended there three years, and then I, I was off. And after that, it's normally university time. But I said no more books. Now I need to do something else. So right, right. Uh, um, and then uh, one of them where I just send this resume and and my application that was actually the largest uh, pension company scheme company here in Denmark mm-hmm. so they actually replied saying uh, you look cool come on let's have a chat and then uh, let's see and then uh, I had a long chat with them and then say you look you sound fantastic just if you're willing we'll give you two years as a trainee and then let's see what happens basically mm-hmm. I was like okay fine Let's do that. Um, I never, I, I didn't know anything about pension or anything, but I was like, okay, fine, let's let's try that. Yeah. So um, I got a, I, I was, then I become a trainee there, still working in the weekends at at my record store, and then still being TJ's mm-hmm. at night. Uh, and then I got into this final, the, the financial industry part uh, basically, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, 
I worked there for two years, and then I was asked if I could continue uh, as a as a pension advisor, more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like okay, let's try to do that, and then. Uh, before, just before I actually was done with my trainee uh, part, then um, then they said, "Oh, we had this project also. I mean, could you come and and be our you know business analysis slash tester for this project?" I was like, "Okay, let's try that. I haven't tried that before." So uh, I got a contract, uh, and then I should actually be the more advisor guy. But then mm-hmm. I came into this project, and that was actually my full time job there, just testing a new uh, advisory platform that they were okay. building. Uh, so I tested that for uh, some time and then they said, oh, you can actually be quite good uh, as a as a manager. So why don't you manage these multiple testers that we actually had? I said, okay, let's try that. I haven't tried that before. I never, be, I never had any manager or any leadership thoughts in me, but okay, okay. Let's, let's try that. And then uh, that actually went quite well, apparently. So they had this uh, talent program uh, in this uh, that was actually uh, quite uh, highly ranked here in Denmark. So then I was asked, would you be part of this talent uh, management program, so to speak, where you get a two years or no, sorry, one year um, education in being a leader basically or a manager here uh, i was like okay let's try that i was the youngest ever appointed i was 26 at that year and so wow. i was really like okay let's, and the others was like 40 more or yeah. less so i was really really young <laughs> so um i actually so i said okay let's try that i mm-hmm. accomplished it uh with the highest grade actually and then uh, wow. after that i could become either a, a team lead for some team there, or I could be the project manager for a project, or I could turn it down saying, no, that's not me. And then back then I was like, this project stuff sounds quite interesting. So let me try to do that. And then uh, I got uh, into project management and then uh, I got a project management education via by them. And then there was the youngest project manager they had ever had. So Wow. Uh, basically, I was referring to the board of directors there and so on. So I got a huge network around me and, you know, top management here in mm. the financial industry in Denmark. And then basically that just really catapulted my my career. So I was a project manager there for around three years. There was a, Then I was headhunted to the national police as a project manager. Uh, was there for one and a half years okay. and headhunted back headhunted back to the uh, financial industry as in in the uh, largest bank here uh, in uh, Scandinavia, basically. Okay. Uh, and then uh, three years after that, just, you know, working my ass off as the project manager in different projects, some bigger, something really small, something enormous. Uh, then... Um, I had a friend calling me, said, oh, we need to have a coffee. I have started my own company. Shouldn't we have a chat? And then I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let's try to have a chat. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, eventually then we had a chat and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, and he was like, would you come on board? I was like, yeah, okay, let's, let's try it. And then uh, after some time, then yes, I become the the equity partner here in Trustworks and then just uh, building a, from a small startup company where we were, uh, up, yeah, six people, seven people now to being 30 and 
hopefully fairly soon. Uh, been and just going from the small company to now a big scale up, hopefully, and then we'll uh, take over the world eventually. But let's take it bit, yeah, in small stuff. <laughs> so, um, oh, that's awesome. So, was it was it was that so, scary joining a startup? Going from yeah, the positions that you had, project managing in major mm-hmm. roles, to the yeah. small, small scale startup. With, with, I mean, that it was, was scary. It, yeah. It, yeah, it was. I mean, back when that happened, uh, I have met uh, me and my girlfriend. We had two kids. We were just we had just uh, sold our apartments, bought a house, basically, and we okay. were living quite quite good. And then I come came home. We have lived there for I don't know three or four months just bought a new house oh, and just uh, really yeah. and then it was like uh honey i i just i have an idea try to hear me out now and then <laughs> she was like uh, uh startup okay what about salary i have no clue Damn. what about i have no clue just yeah. uh, try me out here and <laughs> wow. um wow. so uh, but but as she said to me Afterwards, she could see that I already had made up my mind. Basically, okay. I, she could just feel, you know, that mm-hmm. fire and just, just feeling that, okay, he actually wants this, but I just mm-hmm. needed some time, I think, just to uh, convince myself that it was actually a good idea. And then okay. uh, it just, once again, just really went crazy. And then, yeah, almost, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we have 40 people next year. We have won two awards for one of the, fastest growing companies here in Denmark. So it's, yeah, wow, it's just amazing. Wow. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So, um, so that was this, the short story, the short summary. I mean, uh, yeah. of me at least just uh, in, I don't know, 10 minutes or whatever. <laughs> so then I have a question then what was so coming from the, the secure positions that you had as a project manager. Um, and even yeah. though you had been headhunted a couple of times, um, what drew you away from that to the uncertainty of a startup? What, what I mean, convinced I, you? What, or what spoke yeah. to you in a way that mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go for this. They actually, uh, I mean, here we talk a lot about, you know, purpose, you know, what do you want to accomplish with you or your life or your work? And how is that actually, uh, are you actually doing this now? It, where, where do you work basically? Mm-hmm. And just looking at what I, I've been doing before, it was okay. Different project management, senior project management roles and so yeah. on, but it was more or less the same. And I said, okay. okay. And then we talked about, okay, but, but if you could just, you know, pick something, what would you like to work with? And I, I really would like to work with something where I could, you know, move some people from being a junior something to be a senior something. So being part of that, you know, talent management yeah. stuff and so on. Um, and then there was just slam dunk into their, you know, way of thinking and, you know, evolving people with, with the, let's say, senior roles to take somebody under your, wings as so to speak and make them uh, grow uh, that and then just coming also from you know a highly regulated world where you know we have standard operating procedures for more or less everything you know roles and responsibilities blah 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 coming into a startup where there is literally there is no structure there is just you know people just working together so I, I, I usually call it some sort of a uh, the, of an ad 
at Hocrates. So we don't have a, mm. a you know classic pyramid with one in, in the top and so on. We just mm-hmm. float around and actually evolve and develop the organization as we go along, but also to the actual task or project that we have. And trying to be part of this, there was just really, you know, interesting for me to try to, you know, do something here and then trying to evolve something and try to see, okay, can we actually do something here? Is it, can we actually make this happen? Can we actually make a company that actually mm-hmm. eventually will, will go somewhere or will right. just fail after the two months? Mm-hmm. And then um, really focusing a lot of, you know, the people that actually comes in up actually part of this you know culture that we're trying to create where we there is as little as possible to to uh, how do you call how to uh, normally when we have different companies or different uh, places mm-hmm. that where I, I mean there is also there or there is always a fight for the top basically so everybody sure. wants to be that top manager eventually yeah. so there people are not helping each other. People are basically just yeah. fighting each other mm-hmm. and trying to say, yeah, no, I'm the better person. No, I'm, I'm right, the better, right. blah, blah, blah. So we were trying to, okay, how can we create a culture where it actually benefits everybody that we are playing on, on the same team and not having that, you know, focus on being uh, the top manager or having these political, you know, chit chats about, oh, have you heard about him and he's doing yeah. bad and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So trying to create that some sort of, of a, of culture trying to to do this i mean yeah. that was really interesting for me and say how can we do it and how would we like to do it and i think i mean we are actually getting there and i think we have accomplished a, a lot of things on you know trying to be as as transparent as possible in the way that we're doing but also having the method of you know paying uh, bonuses on equal terms and really just being as as how can you how can you call that in in each you know having the lowest form of structure mm-hmm. and hierarchy in uh, in a company that sounded so really it really interesting and then uh, yeah and then we actually tried to do it and I think we accomplished it quite well. Awesome. So uh, there is there is a book called uh, Tail Dots in an Orange World. I think it is. That's a guy here in Denmark uh, that is uh, studying and actually um, doing a lot of analysis and papers on the future ways of organizations. Yeah. And he actually using us as one of his, uh, you know, case studies companies case studies on trying to see how can you actually do this uh, going forward it's really quite interesting that's amazing so So, so we have so we have something at least so instead of focusing on the typical vertical ladder that people are desperate Mm -hmm. to climb right uh you have more of a horizontal ladder where everybody is i mean you're you're still um moving along the ladder but you're doing it at this the same like level of equity as everybody around you Exactly. And okay. we also say or try to find that, you know, purpose of what is driving you, what is making you go stay up in bed uh, in the morning and just go yeah. to work. What is that drive you? It, it isn't the money. It right. isn't, you know, now I'm the senior something. No, it isn't. There must be something else. And what is that? And normally when we have people here that loves you know, uh, user experience tasks mm-hmm. or looking at, you know, data validation stuff and all of that, you know, funny bits and pieces. Okay. But if, if that 
is to make you check if that really mm-hmm. says this is the coolest thing ever mm-hmm. then we you know fund these guys or girls and trying to say okay if that's what your purpose is if that's what drives you yeah here take some take some money hire some people or try to do something with this area because then we think you can do much better than aiming for being senior something right but focusing on what you actually love doing yeah and and that's uh and that's how we actually scale basically so we that's find awesome. these people that have just burned or have this hunger or or desire for whatever and hopefully mm-hmm. it rhymes with consultancy in some way because mm-hmm. that is what we're what we're doing but right. that is actually really interesting to see how people can grow if they just get you know out of out of the normal uh, structural costs that they have from bigger mm-hmm. companies and try just being themselves and actually try to do something right. it's really interesting wow yeah you know it's funny i've been i've been writing this book for a lot of years and I feel like it's still going to take me another 10 to 15 years to finish it <laughs> just little by little. Um, and it's, it's essentially like a book on leadership. Um, and the way that I envision leadership is, uh, getting to the place where everybody sees the, what the organization that you work in as a large collective us. Right. Mm. And so the concept that I'm like writing about is the idea of getting to us. Right. And how do you, how does the person at the bottom and the person at the top view the same organization as an us? Right. And then mm. how to encourage everybody therein to in, like uh, in, empower each other and encourage each other and support one another. Because uh, one of the things I've learned is if, if you're in charge and people don't like trust you, they will never mm-hmm. fight for you ever. Yeah. Right. And so when, when things get lean or when projects get, when there are like, um, you're in like the, the, the last few moments, the crunch time, you know, the mm. waning hours of a deadline, uh, people are not going to fight for you if they don't trust you. Right. Mm. Um, Agreed. yeah. So like you have a lot of that. So I'm loving everything I'm hearing about the way that you guys are approaching like your structure, because if, if you're, I feel like the, and I also know that it is true that not everybody responds to the same thing. So you have people that are very successful in business that are just monsters. They're just angry ogres that lord over their employees. Mm -hmm. And the employees are like, uh, this, this boss is a monster. I'm terrified. So I'm going to get all my work done. So I don't get yelled at or screamed at or abused. Right. But then you have the other people that are very encouraging. They give a lot of leeway and people respond to that. So I recognize that there are different people that respond to things differently. But I feel like it is, it has to be a universal truth that if we have a mentality of us, we are going to support one another. And if we support one another, then like it, it gets harder and harder and harder to fail. Right. It is. I mean, that that's just spot on. I mean, yeah. I think when you, if you come to your work feeling, you know, valued feeling, mm-hmm. you know, um, hurt being part of something, yeah. I, strongly believe that it's much more fun to go to work. You come up with a different mentality. The mm-hmm. quality of the work that you're doing will be so much better mm-hmm. than having this fear of uh, the ogre just, yeah, just uh, with the punishing you if something yeah. happens. Yeah, exactly. And I really, yeah. I mean, if you can find that and, and of course, I mean, that also requires something from the pair that from the people that we get. So mm-hmm. we know that, I mean, there is, it's quite interesting to see that a lot of these the younger people that we hire mm-hmm. 
they just come in and they just tap in right to what we do basically. So as I always say, we have this institutional yes. So if you have an idea, just go with it basically. Okay. As long as it rhymes with something that we do, mm-hmm. just go with it. You can get the money, you can go do whatever, just go and try to see if it actually happens. Yeah. Um, and you know, people, uh, I mean, we see these young guys just coming in, uh, just really doing a fantastic job on, you know, doing new business development ideas or just doing some stuff that, that you know, really in my wildest dreams never thought existed. And then yeah. we get, sometimes we get these senior guys in coming from this old world of, you know, bureaucracy and structure and so on. And they have a huge amount of unlearning to do mm, just coming yeah. in and knowing that there, there is no structure. Yeah. You, you are an, uh, on the same level as everybody else. Yeah. I mean, yes, we have some equity partners. Yes, we have a CEO, but I mean, I also, you know, wash uh, up sometimes or go down with the garbage. If, if that's really needed here, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, that is difficult for you know people that has been part of this you know normal way of doing whatever yeah. they call it yeah because they are okay okay she she just come in she's a junior so she's doing all the crappy jobs until she becomes a senior something right, like that right. i mean i mean that's not that's really not happening here i mean everybody get hopefully the the these a tremendous task of being at a client and then hopefully just kick ass there and 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 what we see is that it's really easy for the younger people just to to tap into this sort of a of a universe uh, that is really interesting yeah. to see and that, that's why i think we have we, we have found something at least mm-hmm. around this that we need to uh, explore more but just keep but just keep on doing because it's, it's yeah it it actually works so yeah that's uh, great that's great I, and i think it's really important to foster uh the management side of dealing with tasks with mm. um, within people and kind of encouraging that and developing that, but also um, like embedding the whole place in like a, a mentality of leadership where you guys are leading each other. Um, mm. So w- one of the things that I think is super important to consider about leadership is like the first, like one of the first games you ever learn as a kid is follow the leader. Do you remember that <laughs> where everybody mm-hmm. is like turns into this snake and you're just yeah, following yeah, the person in front of you. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you're walking in circles, you're watching what their hands are doing. Right. <laughs> so it's follow the leader. And what's important about that is, um, you, you are only as effective a leader as how well you're able to follow the person next to you. Right. Mm. So, um, I, I love, I love that idea of encouraging that leadership so you can focus on the people, but also fostering being able to manage tasks individually on a case by case. Like, yeah. Hey, you have an idea. Cool beans. We're going to support you. Go do it. Yeah. You know? So I, I, yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm excited to see where you guys go in the future. Super excited. Yeah. Thanks. Cool beans. Cool beans. So, so, uh, yeah. so, so let's talk about, let's talk about 10 year old Tommy. Right. You said it was about 10, 10, 11. Um, your parents split yep. up. Um, did you, you stayed with your mom? Yeah. You, you lived with your mom. Okay. Yep. Uh, and it was just you and your sister. Yep. Okay. So, uh, just, uh, yeah, just big, big just sister, or little sister, little, little sister, little sister. Okay. Yep. Do you think the dynamic would have been different if she was like a big sister by a few years? Do you think you would have maintained that? Oh, I'm the man of the house, even though you're my no, big I sister. You, I'm the man of the house. 
Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, then the the split has would have been other. I mean, so I think I will probably just then look at her and see, okay, what she's doing, and then how will I in, be there? I mean, mm-hmm. I think that will have been a lot different. I guess. I mean, it's uh, of course uh, theoretical, but uh, yes, mm-hmm. I think so. because I've been, I've always been, you know, you know mom's boy basically so yeah. I mean, most be being part of you know her in my grown-up or just growing up it mm-hmm. always it has been way way more clear that it's been her that has been you know teaching me stuff and so on so i'm pretty sure if i had a i had a had a another sibling that, that was older than me then no doubt then i'd be probably looking at her as well in the way that 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 she's doing so okay i think most so i think so yeah actually um um but the interesting thing here is actually that my my little sister then looking at me doing you know all of this work and so on that actually encouraged her to become a nurse actually and being one of the uh uh you know head nurses in some of our hospitals here in Denmark, which is really amazing also. Uh, wow. And especially looking at that, you know, uh, my father was, uh, you know, this uh, garbage man here, just collecting garbage uh, in his truck. And then my 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 mom was working at an office just paying invoices for a company. So I mean, mm-hmm. really no education at all, not really, you know, coming from, you know, something that is uh, worth mentioning from an education point of view, but mm-hmm. uh, but always my both my mom and dad always have, have been you know people uh, going a lot better in the morning, mm-hmm. working never never being sick, and if they were sick, they were just sick sick, not not you know the normal. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can't work today. Uh, really being, I mean, like you have totally forty uh, forty two yeah. in. In fever, something like that. Ah, I can go still. Oh no, you need to stay at home here. Oh, yeah. You know, I broke my arm. Ah, I can still do something. I mean, really, yeah. uh, these type of people. And I think that work ethics really has you know, made both my sister and me, you know, really being that these workaholics as well. To yeah, yeah some points at least. So okay. Um, okay, so you were able to, you were able to carry that work ethic with you, even though you went, you know, you'd gone through all of the schooling um, and you answered business, like um, the, the, the business world, essentially after business college, yeah. you were able to maintain that work ethic and really devote no all doubt. your time. Okay. Which is I evident mean, because you had like two jobs for however long, <laughs> and you were DJing at night in the clubs. Uh, so it's like every free moment is spent working hard. Yeah. More or less, more or less. I mean, it's uh, and I think, I mean, that's when you look at, you know, all people have some different talents. Mm-hmm. Somebody is really good at books. Some can do multiple languages and whatever. I mean, I found out that my worth ethics and the, the bandwidth that I can actually have on work mm-hmm. was way bigger than, you know, most of the guys and the girls that I actually work with. So, right. I mean... And that's and 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 I think and that's also a thing that we have, we have been discussing a lot, you know, on on you know higher scales here that 
you know, to become somebody, to have a company, to actually work a lot, to have a talent, to have a career, it requires something. I mean, it requires yeah. that you work for it. It's mm -hmm. nothing that's just pops out out of nowhere. And says, oh, by the way, then, yeah. uh, and, and I think that it's actually quite a new of becoming that became more and more clear for me, at least in my work life, that the more that I work, the better I actually got at it. Mm. And then of course that, okay, then I can work 40 hours. Then can I do 50? Okay. Yes. Because then I can, can become better and so on. And now, I mean, it's normally that I work 60 hours a week or something like that because mm. I, because I, I really love what I'm doing. I mean, yeah. so, so is it work? Yes, it is, but it's not work work as you know. So right. it's, And, 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 and just love, you know, learning something new more or less every day, still doing, you know, failures and say, ah, oh, shit, I fucked up on something, but okay, yeah. how can I learn from that? Okay. I'll do this next time. And so on. Yeah. Sorry. I'm swearing here. No, it's, your, it's fine. Sorry. We're, we're, we're grown ups. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Cool beans. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, uh, when I, when I look at the idea of, um, the work ethic versus the lottery mentality is, mm. um, I, I think of somebody who makes, um, who's a, a clay sculptor, right? Cause mm. the difference between a finished clay product and the photograph of that finished clay product is one of them took hours and hours and hours to to build little bit by little bit the constant adjustment and fixing and moving and fixing and yeah. scraping and you know shaping and all that stuff and the, and then when it's done you snap a photo of it right and yeah. the the photo is of the finished product sure but the physical finished product it really shows like okay this is all the work that went into it you know and yeah. so i think what what plagues a lot of people, like especially here in the States, is we have this lottery mentality, right? Where we think that all mm. it takes is just that one thing and that's going to snap yeah. me to and it's going to be great, right? So as as um, uh, a professional actor, I've been a professional actor for a lot of years, uh, as a as a performer of, of art and things, uh, I've met so many people that really just want that like instant measure of yeah. top of the food chain, quote unquote, success level. Right. Um, yeah, and yeah. there's a, there's a phrase in like stand up comedy, right. That they, a lot of comics live by. And is it, they say it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Mm. Right. So there, yeah, there, but I mean, that, that's, yeah. yeah. So there, there is, there is no such thing. Right. No. In that, but we, we, we think it is because it's like, you'll see a performer show up in a bunch of movies and you're like, oh my God, they just came out of nowhere. No, they didn't. <laughs> They've been at it for years and years and years and years perfecting their craft and getting better and better and better. And then finally, when they are better and they have put in all that work, then you actually see them landing the jobs that are getting them in your yeah, exactly. face, you know and i so. think that is actually quite interesting because when you go back to uh, if it's actors or somebody else i mean if you look at the career let's say just jim carrey or mm -hmm. somebody you know quite a big actor they had you know work their ass off in mm -hmm. you know the lowest of the lowest environment just to get to somewhere at least yeah. and yeah it's i i mean and and people never see that they only see ah, oh, he's driving a new car, he lives there right, yeah. and so on. They're always yeah. in, in the great movies and so on. 
And that is really an interesting thing because that's what we have had a lot of, you know, discussions at least both uh, with uh, with me back at home and mm-hmm. my family and her family saying, how do you create that hunger for success mm-hmm. in your kids? So, yeah. I mean, there most of the you know famous entrepreneurs here in Denmark comes from families that literally had nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no big education, no great, you know, work and so yeah. on, but all of them came with a worth ethics or just drive that was just out of, you know, really yeah. unique, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they create this success and then they can buy the, the big houses and uh, great sure. cars and, yeah. and so on. And then they get, get kids. And how do you encourage those, those kids to be exactly the same and not just, you know, lay around and sleep yeah. all day because daddy has money enough to right, whatever. Right. So how, how, do you de- how do you develop work ethic without the, the hunger for escaping your life situation? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and we have really talked a lot about this because now, I mean, uh, just looking at me, I mean, I'm, I'm okay, successful. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, our kids, they travel more or less one or two times a year. They okay. have, you know, the iPads, they have whatever that takes. I mean, we mm-hmm. have a, we have a pool. We have a lot of stuff around us that is not normal, but you know sure. that's but 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 that's how we can do it. Mm-hmm. So and and now so so they get they are getting used to traveling two times a year. They are getting used mm-hmm. to having the iPad. They're used to getting blah 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 blah. Yeah. And how do you then educate them enough to think that it, it actually costs something that that's yeah. not for free? I mean, yeah. And how and how do we actually make sure that okay they actually want the same thing and just, just, you know, and then get the, get, get the education, have the work ethics and actually mm. becoming somebody and just, just doing nothing. And that's yeah. really an interesting uh, talk. Yeah. yeah. I think we have, because I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how to, but I mean, you can mm. see, I mean, I think my favorite uh, way of showing it is if you take a famous, whatever baseball player, basketball mm. player, NFL player, soccer player, whatever, mm-hmm. They, the one of the most famous. Looking at their sons or daughters, have mm-hmm. they ever become to become better than daddy, or as good as daddy, or just being right. somebody else? And I, I really, I, we, 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 we've been talking about it. I can't remember, you know, somebody just just out of my mind saying, "Okay, I remember him or her, and her daughter became better than her." Basically, right, right. I can't remember anybody because who, yeah. who actually got that hunger? Who has that, you know? feeling that you come up with nothing and just the only way all the whole family believes in you because you're going to save us, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, all yeah. That. And then actually becoming that success and we just, ah, yeah. he did it. And then he has three sons and two daughters and then just, okay, but daddy has millions. I mean, right. Well, yeah. You don't have to I, work. I just live here there. Yeah. I think, I think it boils down to <sighs> teaching your kids how to earn, you know, earn something for themselves. Right. So, yeah. I mean, as, as a wealthy parent, you're going to be able to provide that as a joy inside of you. I want to provide for my kids. I love my kids. I want them to have everything that they need, yeah. you know? And it's, I think it's, it's, it's every kid's job to want everything. Right. Because I mean, you, you don't, <laughs> yeah, you, you do, but you don't, you don't know any better. Right. No. All you know is, Hey, no. there's a thing that I want to play with. I want that. Right. And then yeah. you, as you grow up, you, you learn like, oh, OK, I have to earn that if I want that in my life. But when you're a kid, I mean, mm-hmm. th- that doesn't exist. So I think the 
It boils down, how do you teach kids to earn the things that they want, right? And mm. it's it's not even like, all right, you're 10, you have to go to work now, or you're eight, and I know oh. you want this new bicycle, but you got to go to work and earn it. But I think it's 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 uh, teaching them and walking them through the, the process of valuing earning something. And then they can mm. like really take ownership of that thing, right? Which is yeah, one of the things yeah. that like really motivates uh, entrepreneurs is like, this is my thing, right? I'm putting in mm. all these hours. I'm putting in all this work. I am building this thing that is mine, right? And then, exactly. yeah. So I, I think, but it's, it's, it boils down to like, so Jackie Chan is, is famous for saying, um, my kid is going to get zero of my millions because mm. I worked for it and it was my job to teach him to work for it. So he gets none of mine. He, if he wants to be rich, he has to earn his own. Right. Yeah. So that, yeah, that is an extreme version of, I'm going to teach my kid to <laughs> value the work, to earn things while still providing. Yeah. Right. Cause I doubt he's like, all right, now he's on the street. He can figure it out. You know, I'm sure he's still yeah. providing for his son and loving on his son and, and all that jazz, but he's not, he's not leaving like this inheritance of millions and millions. No, no, um, but, uh, so, but it's, uh, yeah. So that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. All right. So let's, let's further examine, um, what kind of music did you love? Right. So we know that music was a big part of your life. You yeah. really loved listening to, you were selling the records at the record store. You started DJing. What, what musical genre was like top for you? I mean, back then at least it was, you know, you know, the top 40 hits that was just playing back okay. then. Then, um, then things got evolved and then I started playing clubs and so on and things become a bit more uh, focused so it was more the electronical music so okay. dance music then it evolved into uh, the harder versions of the dance and then the uh, dance versions and then eventually it ended up being some sort of a you know, techno hard style hard trance uh, stuff where mm. it's uh, I had a small uh, specific genre here in Denmark that I played it was Italian hard style. I played that for quite a lot of years. Okay. Where basically it was really, you know, really hard pumping bass and just, just uh, yeah. Um, nice. But that was actually what I played. But what I, when I came home and just listening to something, then mm -hmm. I was really big fan of Metallica, big fan of Depeche Mode, big fan of Prince, uh, still big fan of, of of Prince uh, and having uh, more or less everything that that he has done, uh, both uh, live and you know CDs, records, whatever. I mean, and then that collector gene came up when I bought all of these CDs. Ah, I need that one as well, yeah. and so on. So, so right now uh, I'm really looking forward to to tomorrow because Prince uh, did a uh, did an album called Sign of the Times. Yeah, and that is being reissued tomorrow Ooh. in a special super deluxe version that wow. comes with a lot of you know stuff that hasn't been out before and so on. Ooh. Really, so you know, the the geek in me is really looking forward yeah. for tomorrow to actually see what actually comes. Um, That's awesome. So um, That's awesome. and so yeah, so Prince Metallica, Depeche Mode uh, was really you know top of my charts, and then and then the geek in me always. With a big back version, you know, so okay, okay, why was who did Metallica didn't love? Okay, then Google that and find out. Okay, they loved uh, Led Zeppelin. Okay, mm -hmm. let me try to hear that. And then suddenly I bought everything Led Zeppelin had because oh, ah, that was you. really cool too. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, my you know music collection just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And I mean, uh, right now I can't just. I think I have 
roughly 140,000 uh, numbers uh, uh, back at home. So I have about 10,000 CDs or something like that. Oh. And so on. It's, it's good. So I have my own basement, basically, just oh, with all just of this, with my uh, DJ equipment and all of that. So uh, that's awesome. I, I, I told myself, you know, when I buy the house, then I can go down in the basement, you know, and play my music and certainly uh, and just, just, you know, ah, uh, and I have a small bar as well where I can have a drink and it's going nice. to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. And, yeah. and I'm down there a couple of times a, a month if I'm really, hey, really good because yeah. I do think you know, ah, work and kids and oh, yeah. kids do this and yeah. so on. But uh, I can still go sometimes just go and be uh, uh, chill out, my good old. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, um, what, um, so 10 years old, let's, let's say the, the decision was taking on the role of man of the house. Right. So mm-hmm. at 10, you're having the chat with your dad and he's like, all right, boy, um, I'm leaving. It's your job. Now you take care of the ladies peace. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's say at that time, um, the conversation goes a little bit differently and you don't. Uh, take take on the role of man in the house. Okay, mm. what um, what was a typical routine like for you? I know that late at night or like in the wee hours. I'm guessing like between three and five a.m. is when you delivered papers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what was a typical routine like for you starting at ten? What was a typical day look like for you? Was it just school, then back home and play? Yeah until you could, you know, until the weekend came. Yes. Did you play any sports? What was, what was yeah, regular I mean, life yeah. like for you? I was playing soccer back then. I mean, uh, and I, I wasn't good at it, but I was, I was doing something <laughs> at least. Uh, yeah. So, uh, um, and then, you know, just being around friends. I mean, uh, whenever that I had time for that and that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then just, you know, just, doing papers uh, for school and so on. So, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that was more or less what I did. Okay. Um, and then, yes, dealing with papers in the weekend. I mean, and I'm pretty sure if I was just, if I just more or less just resigned when, when that happened, and think, fuck it, I'm just not mm-hmm. doing anything. I'm just going to stay in bed and just uh, do uh, do nothing. Then I'm pretty sure that I'm just going to end up uh, as a lot of people in that area where I actually grew up, basically. So that mm-hmm. was just, uh, you know, uh, a typical suburb to Copenhagen. There was, you know, we were living in a, this big concrete uh, place with a lot of apartments built in mm-hmm. the 1960s and so on. Uh, really not the best, uh, but it was a place to live at least. Was it like uh, the, the Soviet-style um, apartment yes. buildings? Okay. So, yeah. okay. so uh, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, and then, um, you know, I mean, in that area we had, uh, more or less, I mean, a few were still together, but most of the families living there were divorced. A lot of older guys that never had a job, but just, uh, you know, their daily routine was to get up, go down to, uh, the small grass that we had and just drink beers from mm-hmm. seven in the morning to uh, whenever they just passed out and then they went up to bed and there was more or less it. So, I mean, I could easily, if, if I, if I have chosen my life differently, 
probably ended up being somebody like that, being just yeah. resigning, saying, oh, I hate my life. Everything is, is against me. I'll just do nothing and then right. uh, end up there. Because, I mean, we had both uh, in the neighborhood where we stayed, of course, and but also, you know, f- friends uh, and also mm. part of my family ended up there because, I mean, that was really how stuff ended. I mean, uh, so it's... Um, so it, it was actually, yeah, uh, it could have been a really sad story, basically, ending right. up being nothing or nobody, just uh, right, sitting right. at the local bar, just uh, drinking my, right. my brains out more or less every day. So uh, falling um, in line, you could have, um, like, fell in line with the people of your, like, immediate community. Like, okay, th- exactly, these, are, exactly. these are my role models, so I guess I'll just be like them sort of thing. Exactly. And yeah. actually, unfortunately, I mean, when my mother and father divorced my mom took the the responsibility on her mm-hmm. my dad was just drifting slowly apart and then eventually up becoming one of those guys just sitting at the bench oh, and doing wow. nothing basically um, so it was it could have been quite easily just for me if i followed that path to fall in the same black hole and then becoming nothing i right. guess on um Huh. So, and I, and I still, you know, I still have that, you know, black and white version of it. And I'm really, you know, uh, when I sometimes, oh, when I'm still sitting, um, you know, behind on tasks and uh, I don't see my family that much and it could have been a blah, blah, blah. And always look back and say, okay, but I could actually have ended up there. So I'm, mm-hmm. it's quite okay. Actually, I, I did really well and I can do it even more and then really focus gotcha. on that. But, uh, but yeah, okay. but that so that's, been, so that's, you know, that's been a major motivation for you to no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool beans. That's good to know. Um, that is good to know. So, okay. Then when you were 10 to let's say 10 to 13, um, what were, what were some of your hopes and dreams? Were you focused more on the task at hand working hard mm. to help mom or did you have dreams of man what what are some things that i want to do what are um i mean uh, yeah it, it that, that's a good question actually i first of all i focused not much on my mom but mostly on myself back then just saying okay i okay i i i, I never had that you know you know vision saying okay i want to buy a big house and be somebody it was just okay i mm. really need to ensure that i become the best version of, of me, whatever that is. And the, the way that I can do is, is find out, okay, what am I good at basically? And I found okay. out quite, okay, that I can work. I was okay at math. I, I'm a, I'm a crappy speller still, uh, and so on. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. so, the, so there was okay. Okay. There will probably not be a teacher. Okay, fine. Okay. But okay. Then what? And then, um, just starting focusing on, okay, if I want to become somebody, I need to actually do something that I'm good at, try to mm. see what what can that turn up. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just working my ass off, basically, uh, on trying to find out what will this be eventually. And then, uh, of course, also uh, st- uh, still uh, looking at my mom and then in ensuring that she was actually okay and then paying the rent mm-hmm. and so on. But, uh, but first and foremost, I think 
that are focused on me. And I'm pretty sure uh, when I talked to my mom back then about this, uh, we still do sometimes. It was, mm. She was also quite clear that for her, it, it, she she could have managed without my you know, small rent that, that yeah. wouldn't make much sense. But it was more for her just showing that, okay, you need to be part of something here. And mm-hmm. there is actually a responsibility for you in this uh, life. And then yeah. and that really t- 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 taught me a lot. I, I, was saying, I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah. I love that. I love that your mom is, is able to recognize, look, sweetie, I don't, I don't need this, but this is, you know, kind of helping you either cope or this is helping you manage the, the change, uh, this um, like major change in life and gives you agency and, and a measure of purpose. Oh, I love that, man. That's great. That's great. Yeah. She is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, um, okay. So what, what was your favorite quirk? about you what is like a a weird thing about yourself that you really loved from back then <laughs> you know just, or just something that you uh, can recognize that you thought like oh man i always did this thing this way and that's so funny you know did you did you oh, have any of those so i'll give you i'll give um, you an example one of my buddies <laughs> if he approaches a staircase he has to start with his right foot and no matter how many <laughs> stairs there are he has to end with his right foot it doesn't matter how it's, it always, every single time. And he, he can never step on cracks when we're walking oh, really? on sidewalks. Yeah. He's like, I'd never step on cracks. It's like instinct at this point, but he was very cognizant when we were in, in high school as, as kids, but no, he never steps on cracks. He'll like tiptoe around them. If he has to, he like takes really long strides in order to avoid them. But yeah. always starts with the right foot, never steps on cracks. That's my favorite thing about him. So that oh, that is really? that is an example of what what is a, a quirk of your own? Oh, that's uh, let me just. That, I think I had the. Oh, I had the, a few. I mean, when um, back then when I actually had hair, uh, I lost it eventually. But that's how it right. is. I mean, yeah. then. Uh, <laughs> um, I had a special routine each morning around okay. that I uh, took this uh, yeah, hair wax basically. And then I always uh, uh, massaged it in my right hand in a, in a specific way. Okay. Uh, it, it's, and, uh, and it was more or less just like, you know, writing my own name in my hand because then I, I'm not, I'm not sure how, but anyway, I felt that it did something for me at least. And then, that is and amazing. Then I, I love, I, I, I love hundred <laughs> percent of what you're saying right now. Keep going, please. Uh, and then, uh, of course my head's there in the exact same position each day. I mean, and it, it was every time I went out, I needed to do this routine back then. It okay. was really funny. And, uh, and I, I, and eventually I chose my, my dad once that I did it. And, and then he, he was just laughing then. Ha ha. But just remember when you turn 18, you have no hair left basically. I mean, it was like, Oh no. Thanks. Dad. thanks. <laughs> uh, and I lost more or less everything when I was 20. So I had oh, at least two years uh, oh, more, man. but uh, that was, uh, yeah. So, um, it oh, was really funny, but I mean, and, and, and you know, a lot of stuff happened, uh, Around that period, I remember st- still one day my mom was just, uh, yeah, she was really freaking out uh, once. Uh, that was actually a, a funny story as well. Uh, back then, 
Uh-huh. I had the uh, what is it called? You know, when you have your teeth uh, done, is it called braces? Braces, braces or yeah. What is it called? Yeah, uh, that's what we call it in English uh, uh, here. Braces. Yeah, I had that. I had glasses, uh, and then uh, yeah, and then I was a quite chubby guy back then, and okay. then uh, um, and then my hair was not 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 really something back back then, and then. Um, uh, within, you know, I think six, six months, then I started to do my hair, do this mm-hmm. routine. And then I started to lose a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, of course my, that my mom could actually see. And then, uh, eventually then, uh, I had uh, one day where I had my braces off. Then I went in and uh, got two piercings, one in my uh, earbrow here and one mm-hmm. in my tongue. And then, mm-hmm. uh, I went to uh, 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 what? Yeah, a guy where I where I had contact lenses instead of uh, my oh, okay. glasses, and then I went in and bought a complete new set of clothes and so on. And that happened more or less in one day. So when I left in the morning, I had you know glasses, I had braces, braces. on, and so on. <laughs> and then when my mom came home, I had new clothes and new piercings all over. So right. I was like, "What the what hell is this? What happened to you? What happened to you? What are you doing with yourself?" That's uh, amazing. And then said, "Just." Uh, she was like, "What the hell happened?" I said, "I I have no clue, but I just felt something needed needed to happen." I was like, yeah. oh, "Okay, at least you didn't get any get any tattoos and so on." Said, no, no, I didn't. So okay, that's okay. fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least there's no tattoos. That's yeah. great. I love that. Um, How old were you when and that then the, I was 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 I there seventeen? I think. 17. Yeah. So uh, and then uh, yeah. And then actually, uh, I had my piercing in my tongue uh, for more or less my entire career. Then I got some specific, you know, stick where you can't see it basically, but okay. but, but it's still there, okay. so it's transparent. And then uh, when I uh, then I did this um, talent program there, um, then I was done. Then I got my first uh, then i got the reply back that they would like to hire me as the uh, product manager mm-hmm. when i talked to my boss back then then when i just talked to him then my piercing automatically just by coincidence fell out of my tongue just like boom and then i said oh. okay then that that must be a sign for something so sure. back then i took it out and then i never had anything left i mean that was uh, gotcha. uh, quite funny wow okay <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that's great. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, really. You I know, guess just, I'm done with this tongue piercing now. Just uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's great. I, I mean, I don't believe in you know thoughts of like ah something uh, God was doing something or whatever. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it was just, just you know okay, okay, right, right there. I thought, okay, that must that, that was mean something at least. And then, yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's great. I love that. I love that. Oh, I think. Yeah, I think I think we have enough to come up with a pretty interesting story. Um, we'll probably start around ten. Generally, what I like to do is I like the beginning of the short story to be um, right at about the decision, right right mm-hmm. at about that time. So we'll start you at about ten, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, you might be ten throughout the whole short story. It might take place over a few years. We'll find out. Um, but 
I think I have a lot of really good stuff. Um, and I think I have a, a, a pretty good picture of, you know, kind of like what was motivating for you, what you were super into, and we can go from there. This is exciting. This is exciting. Perfect. Cool beans. So then at this part of the show, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to some music. And then in just a few minutes, when we come back, I'm going to read the story that I will have written for Tommy. It will be called Other Tommy. Uh, it'll explore his life. And then we'll talk about it. Stick around. Enjoyed that little musical interlude again. My guest today is Tommy Sorensen, um, all the way from Denmark. It is early here, it is late there. Um, <laughs> but with the magic of technology, here we are. Um, Tommy, yeah, are you ready for your story? Because we're, we're about to dive headfirst into it. Let's, ready? 
Let's do it, man. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Cool beans. Okay. Oh, also, um, I hope that I pronounce the words that I have written in in um, Danish. Yeah. I hope I pronounce them correctly. Old. There's no guarantee oh, that I will. <laughs> There's no guarantee. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be my best. <laughs> All right. Cool. Other Tommy, come here, boy. We have to talk. Other Tommy's father reaches out to his son. The stench of the day's work lingered on his hands, stained dark from the years of handling refuse. Maybe your mother has told you. Maybe she hasn't. I'm going to work today, boy, but I'm not coming home. We've decided to divorce. That leaves this home without a man, so you will be that man. Do you understand? You must help provide for your family because you are here, and I am not. Other Tommy, not fully dressed for the day, hangs his head in confusion. Fa, why do you have to go? Why do I have to be the man now? Undeterred from the decision they made to split, other Tommy's father drops to a knee. He reaches out, lifting his boy's uh, chin, looks deeply into his eyes. Other Tommy, I have to go because we decided that that was what we were going to do. I said, I am leaving and I have to do what I say I'm going to do, don't I? Who would I be if I said things and didn't do them? Who would you be? You must always be who you say you're going to be. What do we say to liars? Softly, other Tommy complies that they're afraid of the truth because they haven't accepted themselves as failures and they need to work harder. That's right, boy. Man, that's right, man. The day is not long, other Tommy. <clears throat> and you have a lot of growing up to do before the light retreats tonight. Fa, that's not my role. I'm just a boy. I, I cannot be a man. They will not let me drive. I cannot have a job. I cannot live by myself. I will be a boy for as long as they let me be, and then I will be a man. And I will be the best man there is. I will keep all my promises. Fighting back tears, other Tommy continues. So go if you must. I'll stay. I'll be the best boy that has ever been, and then the best man there ever will be better than you. The day breaks, poking light into other Tommy's bedroom as if on the hunt for something. The darkness scampers deep into the closet and under his bed. A single ray of light finds a reflective surface before invading the peace of other Tommy's overnight sleep. With a scrunch of his eyes and nose and an audible yawn, other Tommy sits himself up. The brightness of the sunrise belies the terribly early morning hour. The calendar on the wall has a dated circle. June 5th, and a 12-year-old other Tommy slowly makes his way to the closet, diving into the waning darkness for his football shorts and shoes. Other Tommy's mother waits sleepily at the kitchen table with a warm bowl of gold. Other Tommy takes, uh, takes his with a few slices of apple and a dollop of honey on top. Good morning, my beautiful zombie. Other Tommy playfully moans and rambles to the table. Ooh, scary. Eat up. Okay, more. Other Tommy looks out over the field, tracing the lines normally scrawled along the pitch in his mind and places mental markers. Looking down at his watch, the time reads 4.50 a.m., and he kicks the ball out and dribbles along the edges of the pitch. He begins his regimen simply and does, not, uh, and does nothing to avoid the imaginary opposing players his psyche presents to distract him. The first of the three alarms go off, and perfectly in sync, he switches his style of dribble to evade oncoming defenders. Up, down, and across the pitch, juking, evading. Beads of sweat hang on for dear life at the ends of Tommy's other Tommy's bangs hanging off the end of his brow. Elkier and Ludrup uh, to other Tommy. <laughs> he slips one defender through the legs of another. Other Tommy, the leg of destiny, pushes unopposed. Will he use his signature kick? Other Tommy shouts aloud as he traverses the empty field. 
His signature move is a modified bicycle kick, but done while moving forward and involves a front flip and a twirl to generate enough power to make his kick uncatchable if he ever could get them to go toward the goal. The leg of destiny is going to do it. He bumps the ball in the air and like a swan leaps behind it, spinning and he shoots. The crowd goes silent. Does he make it? All right, other Tommy, now's the time. All the work you've put in, this is it, as if a boy possessed. He kicks the ball into the air and tears down the pitch, leaning to his side, jumps and spins parallel to the ground before swinging his leg out and smashing the football toward the goal drawn in his mind. It zips, misshapen toward the empty goal and careens down the field. Other Tommy, satisfied with his performance, pumps his fist into the air, shouting, They win! They win! They win! (laughs) 10,000 hours later. Other Tommy plops down on his bed, exhausted from the full day of school, practice, homework, and then the evening job at the record store he took to help his mom buy the gear he needed to be a part of the traveling football club. He reaches over to his bedside table and retrieves his headphones and tape player. Clicking rewind on the tiny pad of buttons, he closes his eyes and listens intently for the snap of the spindles stopping. It never seems to come and other Tommy slips off into sleep. The Walkman automatically plays when rewound, so as other Tommy drifts off to sleep, he is met in his dreams with the beckoning of Prince to come. Brass instruments blare, filling his mind with the seductive sounds of the late summer album from one of other Tommy's musical inspirations. The words, come other Tommy, begin to overtake the pleasure of the album. Come other Tommy, come here. Again and again the words pulse, shaking the landscape of the dream he builds as he falls deeper and deeper to sleep. Other Tommy, come, he's thrust awake and sits shouting, I will Prince, I will. Other Tommy's mother is filled with a belly laughter and stumbles over to his bed, struggling to breathe through the guffaws. Am I, am I Prince now? <laughs> the telephone is for you. Your coach is on the phone. Startled and breathing heavily, Other Tommy stands and heads to the kitchen and takes the receiver. Hello? He mutters through sleepiness. His coach excitedly responds, Other Tommy, are you sitting down? You should sit down. Yes, I am sitting. Why? What is this? You know, I told you I have a friend on the national team. You told me you have a friend that works in the stadium. But doesn't he just take pictures? Annoyed, his coach snaps. He's a part of the team. He travels with them, and he knows all the guys. Anyway, I told him about you and all the hard work you've been putting into your training. He said he could get you into their summer camp program. They have it at Parkin. Uh, You'll get to try your signature move on the best pitch in the country. What do you think? Wow, that sounds amazing. I mean, I'm already 16. Don't, Don't they only do the camps until you're 15? His frustration has grown. Other Tommy's coach retorts, why are you doing this? Do you want to practice at the camp or not? Yes, yes, of course I do. But I won't lie about my age. You don't have to lie, other Tommy. They will make an exception for you. Free scouting. I will pay for your entry. No, coach. I can pay for myself. I've been working at the record store and I have money. That's good, other Tommy. But I already paid for you to go. Well, what if I don't want to go, other Tommy inquires, confused and soured to the idea. If you don't want to go, since I already pay, I guess I would just give it to someone else on the team. One of the younger guys. Nobody's as good as you. You work harder than everyone else on the team. I've seen your early morning training sessions on the grass where you live. You're up so early. Why are you up that early? You are the one for this. Several mornings later, other Tommy, as if a boy who floats, effortlessly barrels down the pitch. He gracefully avoids contact with every defender as he whisks toward the goal. He's met by an approaching goalie, stepping up from the underneath the crossbar and fakes a move to his left before shooting cleanly to his right, scoring with ease. Again, 
Elkir and Ludrup take note of the graceful teen and call out, asking him to repeat his goal. Other Tommy complies. Elkir passes a ball to Ludrup, who passes it to Other Tommy. Together they command, go now, go, go, go. Other Tommy's heart begins to pound in his chest. The ball at his feet, received from Ludrup, who received it from Elkir, is how his every daydream has ever started for him. He clenches his fist, shouting, other Tommy tears down the pitch, scooting and dodging every other campgoer determined to stop him. Strong and determined, he moves as if in a ballet, precise and elusive. A lone defender remains as he approaches the goalie. Defender puts his uh, head down and charges Other Tommy. Undeterred, Other Tommy rainbow flips the ball over the defender and ducks his airborne tackle. The ball sails through the air high above the field. I am invincible, Other Tommy calls out to him intimidate the goalie who slinks back under the crossbar waiting patiently on his toes to stop other Tommy's shot as the ball descends other Tommy flips or lifts into the air parallel to the ground spinning before letting his leg loose to smash the ball he strikes it with enough force to deform the ball as it spins violently toward the goal the goalie steps up to catch it but it slowly begins to rise he extends his hands up and leaps back. The ball skims his fingertips and crashes hard into the net behind him. Other Tommy crashes hard onto the floor and spins with momentum out of his strike. He lays on his back and cries aloud, Goal! <laughs> the end. Oh, that's amazing, man. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, that intro, man, that was just, I mean, wow. I was just literally sitting here with uh, you know, pot tears in my eyes, um, palms sweating and so on. It was just amazing, really. Uh-huh. You are so talented, my friend. That's just amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, just speechless right now. I mean, the, um, I mean, that intro about, you know, that situation, it was more mm-hmm. or less just like being there once again. I mean, wow. uh, really just uh, amazing. Um, and I'm really, I mean, yeah, it's just speechless right now. I mean, it's just, you know, one thing is that you talk about it, but the way that you, you know, it captured this situation for me mm-hmm. and try de- describing it, it was just, suddenly I was just this young boy again, just uh, looking at, you know, my dad saying, oh, shit, what I'm going to do now. I mean, just, yeah, uh, yeah amazing, really. So, uh, thanks. It yeah. was just, uh, wow. So I mean, I'm glad you yeah. Wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad uh, you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I tried to tap into all the things that you had described in the first. Yeah, but I mean, there was just a lot of lot of stuff going on there. I mean, no doubt that uh, as, as I, I, I think all varsities here in Denmark that 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 play soccer has this, you know, idol of you know, or that part of you thinking mm. you will be one of the best. Of oh, course. Yeah. Uh, looking at uh, Lauto, as you mentioned, or Ilke, or some of some uh, yeah, great, great, great players that we have had. I mean, yeah. we have always looked up to them, mm-hmm. and especially in that part, uh, in that time, there was just like uh, the these uh, invincible, uh, fantastic guys that could do amazing things with yeah. the ball. So it was just uh, so that was actually quite good. And then Princess Come uh, album. I mean, that's uh, it's actually. I mean. It's there is a lot of funny stories around that because Prince that album actually was really difficult for me to actually understand mm-hmm. because he was and that's now it's getting a bit nerdy so please bear no no so please. please bear 
bear with me here, but that is the last album he actually made uh, named Prince. After that, he was this simple the right. artist from the normal prince that is yeah. um and so in theory princes or prince dies in that album and then he resurrects more or less as the symbol afterwards mm-hmm. and there is so there was i mean and i, I as a, you know as a young boy i didn't understand all of this there was just like music for me and mm-hmm. um, i still remember the first time i heard that album there is an there is a track called orgasm on that uh, mm-hmm. album which is literally an orgasm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and it was just like hearing that at that age, I'm like, what the is there's something wrong with him? There must be because that, <laughs> that's just not normal. Yeah. Um, but um, and yeah, so um, it was actually uh, yeah, that was a that was actually a good one there. Uh, right on. So thank you. I mean, wow, that's. I mean, yeah. you are tr- truly gifted. I mean, it's just uh, yeah. Thank you. We. You should make a movie or something like that. You have this uh, in you. I mean, you can just mm-hmm. be uh, I- Yeah, I think all of these, having been working in film for the last almost 15 years, uh, it, when I approach these stories, I think I do it from a cinematic perspective. Mm-hmm. So I, I try and envision what does the camera see and the way that like it would move about, the things that it mm-hmm. focuses on and all that. Um, yeah, because so. you're really good at, you know, describing these small bits and pieces on just as you mentioned how the goalie almost uh, saved the ball but doesn't and how mm-hmm. the ball stroke his fingers and you know all of this that is quite you know it 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 gives me at least a clear clear picture on what is actually happening in that specific scene so to speak mm-hmm. or at least that the view that i have is really really clear for me that's just mm-hmm. uh, amazing i mean that is so all I mean from from the start to the finish it was quite I mean I had these really mental pictures just so clear with all of these small dis- descriptions on you know either wake up being a bit uh, sleepy still having mm-hmm. breakfast and all of that and I mean it was so clear for me it's just um, yeah to just uh, yeah and that's uh, 24 years ago more or less now or something mm-hmm. like that I mean that's just uh, yeah. just just being there once again, it's actually uh, yeah, really, really interesting. I mean, that's uh, that's going to give me a lot of thoughts. I mean, thanks. Yeah. That's going to be uh, wow. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad. I'm glad. Did you? Did you? Um, I was looking uh, up like popular <clears throat> Danish breakfasts. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have gold? That's how you pronounce it, right? Gold. Gold. Oh, like how, how do you say? Gold. Sorry. Oh, yeah, so we have something called Hauerkot here in, in Denmark, which is basically oatmeal. Okay. Um, uh, so I had that. And normally what I have here is actually oat, and then we have uh, we actually pour milk on it, more mm-hmm. or less. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we actually eat that. And I actually make oatmeal more or less each morning for my kids because I grew mm. up with that also. Yeah. So there was just... Uh, how it is uh, so yeah so i had that i mean every morning i had the same breakfast i mean and i still do from that time and that's yeah. actually quite interesting and people say ah oh, you must hate it now you've been eating that for you know ages it's like no but that's you know part of that morning ritual now that's mm. and it so i don't think about it i just do it you know that's yeah. just a standing up <laughs> and i can make it in my sleep more or less. Right, like, oh, yeah. just like uh, somebody needs their coffee 
in the morning so they can make coffee more or less sleeping early. And mm-hmm. I have the same with my breakfast. And that's and I and I think it actually comes from back then. I mean, then uh, yes, yeah, sometimes we we caused had food, uh, but I was, you know, uh, we didn't eat a lot, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. but but we had food. So my breakfast was all always, you know, the first breakfast or the first meal of the day, and I needed to really eat something there because then I could last more or less not mm-hmm. the entire day. But yeah, m- but most of it. So. Waking up, I was always hungry. So just waking up, boom, out, eat. That was just, it, it takes 15 seconds for me. Then I'm right. out eat, eating my breakfast. That actually, right. And I actually, that's what I still do. I mean, just uh, up, oh, boom, breakfast. It's actually, yeah, it's quite funny. I'm there. So, I can dig it. Um, yeah. I can dig it. Yeah. Right on. So, um, yeah, that's actually, that's a great story. Just, uh, yeah. Really looking forward to actually having that so I can hear it multiple times because I'm pretty sure there are details that mm-hmm. I I didn't really, that, that I miss now when we just talk about it. But uh, I definitely want to hear it a couple of times again because that's really, really interesting. Cool beans. Is yeah. it always is it always the positive side of, of you know stories that you take? I mean, so, Mm-mm. or is no. it so that can... I- I try and focus on neutral to positive because I don't necessarily want to tell people they suck, you know, in the no, story, no. <laughs> like you're bad or your life is bad or that sort of thing. But, um, I try and put like a, a, a real, like, a uh, something that is that you might experience in real life that can be harsh or uncomfortable. Um, and then kind of the struggle, right? The, the, the conflict and then you kind of work your way out of it i mean there are sometimes where it doesn't quite um work out the way you want it to uh, yeah. sometimes it does but yeah so like it's I, i'm trying to build a story in a way that there's a conflict and then we have to f- try and figure out what are we going to do how do we get out mm. of this you know um and i don't want it to be like oh this person is evil and they deserve all of this shit that's being poured on them throughout the story. I mean, cause that's, it's not fun for me and it's not going to be fun for the person listening. So no, no, exactly. But it's, it's just, okay. So we can turn, I mean, all, all types of, you know, mm-hmm. places, they can actually go this story. That's actually quite yeah. nice because I mean, of course it's, it also, it's a, that's where your art form come into play. Of course, that you've, that you must, I mean, see or feel something hearing that story and taking notes and so on. And that mm-hmm. all, must give you some sort of a, at least an idea on a, or a direction and you say, okay, I, it could be funny to do this or interesting mm-hmm. if I go that this yeah. path or the other one. So yeah, that makes, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So like for your story, it was pretty easy the way that I looked at it. Cause the conflict came early on, right. Cause it was, it was mm-hmm. tough as, as young boy, Tommy to hear these things from his dad who then lives. Yeah. Right. Uh, and from what you described, you, um, you took on the role and you buried yourself in work as often as you could, as young as you could, you got into work, 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 work. And you've been doing that ever since. So I figured with that same mindset, if instead of work, what, what is something else you could have really poured yourself into? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I figure that's sports, art, you know, or work that those are the things that you really at that age can put your focus on and then develop into something, you know, really, really good. And, Mm -hmm. um, so even if you're not like in the top echelon of the greatest, 
putting in all that time, you're going to be very, very proficient no matter what. So mm. I was just yeah, like, yeah. I just decided to like try and find, all right, what, what could he do at that age and really mm. put in the work and become good at, if it's not just, I have to go get a job right now to help my mom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that, uh, that's an interesting, you know, look at it as well. I mean, I never thought about it, but now when we just, I mean, yes, you had the time back then. I mean, you had mm -hmm. all the time in the world, more or less, to, yeah. to do whatever. Now, uh, so, and then when you grow up, you certainly find out that uh, time is actually quite valuable. I mean, then it's just uh, then mm -hmm. uh, something, uh, then, yeah, not that, you know, life just passes by, but I mean, you know, your focus changes as well, of course, also when you have, you know, kids or buy houses and oh, then I need to pay the mortgage and blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly it just, uh, I can't remember who actually said it. This, uh, you know, life is what happens when you make other plans or something like that. I can't yeah. remember who actually said it, but mm -hmm. uh, but that's a famous quote at least. And it's actually something that we, in our small family, actually try to talk a lot about saying, okay, but if we are healthy, if we can, if we can do stuff, either traveling, go to cinemas, do whatever, uh, to the forest, looking at something, or to the beach and fishing whatever mm -hmm. i mean you need to actually also no yeah you need to work and you need to do all types of stuff but 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 we need to to actually do something when we have the possibilities of doing it mm -hmm. because if we don't do then suddenly you end up being the richest in the graveyard which is really yeah. which is a waste nothing. it's a waste or, for everybody yeah it, it is i mean and i mean once again one of our family uh, members here uh, he's, he's quite old but he's just been diagnosed with with cancer um, mm. and you know they, they have been traveling as much as they could for the last I don't know 10 15 years because oh, wow. they knew you 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 never know when you actually get that yeah. message either that you're sick or you have cancer or something else happens and then you can't travel anymore so mm -hmm. the good thing here is that they can actually now look say, okay now we can't travel as much as we would like but looking back at all 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 the stuff that we actually did okay we actually saw mo most of the world or we did yeah. something that it was really valuable for us mm -hmm. um and that is just i mean living the life when you actually have the possibilities of actually doing it and yeah. not waiting for that perfect time to say, ah, I need to do something else because then we can do something and blah, blah, blah. And then ending up being, yeah, not doing it because yeah. something happened or and that is actually really a lot of what we actually talk about here. And also what I've actually been talking a lot with um, people that I work with or people that I'm mentoring with work mm -hmm. and so on and also you know friends that we have that had some issues either in their relationships or something else saying mm -hmm. that but if it's if if something is really important to you mm -hmm. and you feel okay I, I need to do this then you then do it of course in within the boundaries that you have so mm -hmm. i would like to buy a ferrari yes that's fine but that is not probably not sure. just not something that you can do tomorrow but mm -hmm. if it's really if it really matters a lot to you that you need to go traveling and so on, then actually do it and take that decision in your life saying, it's important for me, let's do it. And then yeah. do whatever it actually takes to actually come to that point. Saying, okay, yes, now we traveled or we visited Hawaii or whatever that mm -hmm. is. I mean, uh, buying a new speakers or buying a new car or whatever. Right. I mean, and, and, I, and, and what I actually see a lot of, at least younger people now is actually 
having you know issues saying that we would like to accomplish this but it's so difficult for me and i can't do it because and then they have 10 15 excuses for not right. doing it and saying, yeah, but but if it's really that important to you then go out and, and do it yeah if, yeah and do it but uh borrow the money in the bank if you really want to go traveling and that is the most important thing right now then borrow that ten thousand dollars or whatever that is and then travel whatever they can because you can actually pay it off now you can't do that in when you're 80 and right. then you, yeah. you're sitting in your couch saying oh i oh, i didn't uh, see hawaii and that was just my that was my, the goal, the my one. big dream yeah, yeah. come on then do it because you actually yeah. have the possibilities of actually doing it yeah within the normal boundaries that sure that we have sure. so and 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 i really think that that actually is a it's it's interesting how people often set their own boundaries for them saying i can't do this because blah 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 or, i can't do this blah 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 and it's but come on try to actually push those boundaries just a bit saying yes i can't do it but i need either some help or i need to borrow some money or i need to do something else with my life before i can accomplish it okay mm-hmm. but that then make that plan actually do it instead of just yeah doing yeah. end up just being miserable because you didn't do it yeah and I, that's, think, uh, I think people get caught up in the grand scope of uh the thing that they're going after right so you have this dream of oh i want to do this thing but it's so big right mm-hmm. um that they they lose sight of all the little work you can do to get there so one yeah. of the one of the things that I'm intentional about, if there's a purchase that I want to make, right? I'm like, oh, I need, um, uh, I need a new computer monitor, or I need a new this or that, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll do some research. I'll pick one, and then I will, um, like, save up for however long. So this way, I can go throw cash on the table and just take it home without worries. But I know, okay, uh, if I don't have the cash for it right now, that's fine. Uh, I can. Mm-hmm save up for a few months and then I know I will have it then and I can buy it. and I, and I can do the little work that it's going to take, even though it seems so big right now, I can do the little mm-hmm. work that it's going to take from now till then have it. And then I will, I will have it. Um, and I think it's interesting. Uh, so for Americans, I think a lot of people don't travel because they have it in their heads that everything is so far away. Right. Mm. And there's this, demonization of foreign cultures that happens here in America. Right. And Mm. I think it had to happen in order to keep the people here in line. And this is from Mm. early on. Right. So we're seeing right now the after effects of hundreds of years of demonization of foreign people, um, because the, they, they had to do that so that they could instill in the people that were kind of building the roadblocks of America um, to hate everyone else so that they could cope with all of the atrocities that they were performing against, you know, the slaves that they brought in, the Chinese mm-hmm. that they uh, brought in to build the railroads and then murdered the indigenous people that were here. Right. So now you have you have the seeds of that, you know, hun- a couple hundred years later. So you have a lot of people that are that like, oh, I would love to travel, but I can never afford it or I can never do this. And I, I've I have coached like a bunch of people in the idea of traveling where I have like actually gone through them like, OK, so you say you can't afford it. Um, can you afford like a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars? Because I bet you I could find you a flight, uh, a place to stay for a week and a flight back home for 
a thousand dollars or less to Europe, to South America, you know, to some parts of Asia at certain times of the year. If you want to go, you can a hundred percent go. You can go. Exactly. But there's this, this mental block in there that it's like, Oh no, I can't. It's so far. It's too expensive. It's too different. You know, all this. Am am I, am I going to be so, and then you, you, you marry that with the mindset of, you know, this, disdain for foreigners right Mm. you know and then so if you have this disdain you're you're being trained to distrust or be upset with foreigners that come into america um oh i want to travel because it'll be fun but guess what now you're a foreigner right Mm. and so there's this this self-disdain and then you project that onto other people so you get like american tourists that are really dumb and like are yelling loudly because they don't speak the language native to where they're visiting and they're upset (laughs) that they don't they're not being understood you know so like but it's it's this weird like mental gap and this is i can only speak for americans um and and Mm. that is that has been my experience but i have spent like my the last you know 15 years trying to convince people yes you can you you can yes you can yeah. You want to travel? Cool. You can travel. You want to go buy this sweet motorcycle? You can go buy that sweet motorcycle. You can do all of these things. Um, yes. I think an, another part of it, especially for people here, is one of the reasons that they don't do things is because they're desperately waiting for that winning lottery ticket. Oh, yeah. I mean, no doubt. I mean, that is also what we hear in Denmark. Everybody mm-hmm. just waiting. They. Uh, but I, yeah, when I win that lottery ticket, then I can do whatever. But, un- right. but until then I'm, I'm just miserable. Yep. I can't do anything. Whatever than I, My life is yeah, the worst. I mean, that, There's nothing I can do to get out of this. I just need that winning lottery ticket. And I mean, I've heard a bunch of people saying, uh, the best part of, you know, my year is when I have these three weeks off and I go out uh, diving or bicycling oh, yeah. somewhere. And, mm-hmm. and, but, and then also saying that the other 90 or 79 weeks of the year or whatever that is now that is just crap i mean that is Mm -hmm. just the worst argument ever i mean just being miserable for 95 percent of of the year and then being happy three weeks i mean then you need to change something i mean and and um, yeah and it's actually but that's i mean i'm not sure where it actually comes from because i mean this i mean sitting with your head, you know, arms crossed and saying like, I'm just waiting for something good to happen. And then mm-hmm. expecting that it actually will happen. I mean, mm-hmm. that is just, it's, it's so strange. I mean, and then of course, yes, you can be lucky and so on, but I can, but I've seen at least that if you do some sort of a graph, the more you train, the luckier you actually get on doing stuff. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite interesting on seeing uh, the more you train, the more you work, the more you do oh. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. The, the better you get, and then in theory you get more lucky. But you can then call it lucky, or you can actually say, okay, be, but that's because I'm getting good at doing something. Right. And then yes, things actually happen for me. Right. So, and and but yeah. Yeah. So but I think I, but, I think people lose sight of the idea that if 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 it is true that you can get lucky one day, and l- let's say you're presented with a haystack and you're asked to find the needle in the haystack, right? Um, yeah. th- People think like, oh, you know, I have to be super lucky to just stick my hand in and and grab the needle, right? But if 
if you, if that's all you're willing to do is stick your hand in once and try and find the needle, I'm willing to every single day take something out every day, mm. every day, every day, every day, right? And then assuming that every few days they put another needle in, right? Eventually, all of my hard work, my consistent doing, my consistent preparation, all of the mastery I'm getting over sticking my hand and feeling the difference between the the hay and metal, eventually, mm. like, boom, there it is, right? So. Yeah. There are a lot of people that'll that will quote things like, "Oh, you know, luck is ninety five percent hard work and five percent chance, mm. right?" Or mm. success is ninety percent hard work, eight percent preparation, two percent luck. So yeah. it's it's the idea of that that winning lottery ticket doesn't exist. Yeah, but I'll be, I'm one hundred percent with you there. I mean, that is that is just right on where I think most of at least. What, what when I talk to younger people, then expecting you know, just things happening for them. I mean, mm-hmm. they they really forget. I mean, as you say, stand up comedians, if they have worked ten years uh, living in their cars and performing in mm-hmm. um, somebody would call it a stage, somebody else just called in a barn somewhere where there yeah. are two people just sitting and booing them for two mm-hmm. for one hour or something like that. Yep. I mean, all that you can call it negativity, all that, all the pressure that you're actually getting. I mean, eventually mm-hmm. it, it will push you to be a better oh, performer yeah. or better artist or better yeah. musician or whatever that is. I mean, and, 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 and if you look up all, all the books that you can find about quite famous people, everybody has been, you know, challenged and not believed in for the first, I mean, I don't know many, how you, mm-hmm. how many years until that moment hits you where you are, in theory, lucky, but you have actually worked the last 15 years to actually get to that point. You stand yeah. be- beside the Warner director for and getting that paper signing that now you have a record deal or you have that one stand-up show where you have somebody, knowing somebody else that actually sees you and say, okay, there he is. That is yeah. the, our new star. And then, boom, you're on Netflix or whatever that is. And then, mm-hmm. yes, you, you are a star. And I really, yeah. And that is actually really interesting on how I mean I and, and where does it actually come from this you know in in Danish is called to be as a, to be led and led is just being lazy mm-hmm. di- more or less di- di- directly translated but not being lazy as you're just sitting on a couch and not getting up but just expecting st- stuff to happen this hunger that you're supposed to have to whatever that you do, either musician, work, I don't care, but having that inner hunger trying to actually accomplish something, that is actually really, I think, the issue that we have with at least a lot of what I, what when when we talk to people here, that they're missing this hunger for actually doing something or being somebody, but they just expect that it just happens by magic or by chance that something, yeah, just drops on their heads and they, okay, there is, there is yeah. the, the $1 million. It's like, Oh wow. Lucky me. And then I can yeah. do something. I mean, um, I think, um, when, so I've done a lot of coaching of people that want to be actors, right? And yeah. you guys can't, you, those of you listening, you can't see me doing air quotes right now. <laughs> <laughs> so people that want to be quote unquote actors, um, I've coached quite a few people through it. Um, and I think there's this misconception that they have about it. So number one, what I try and boil it down to is, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be a movie star? Cause if you want to mm. be a movie star, there's nothing I can tell you. It's not going to happen if it hasn't already period. Yeah. 
That's just, you, you don't, um, just want to be a movie star and then you become one, right? It's not how it works. Yeah. You want, if you want to be an actor, you want to put in the work, uh, if you're really, really good, or you have a certain measure of, uh, of equality, then while you're in that work, you'll get, you will, it, it'll eventually happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you have a lot of people like, Oh, you know, it seems so fun and all this stuff. What, one thing that I try and impress on people, especially people that want to be actors is, uh, the hardest work of your life comes once you get that quote unquote lottery ticket. Right. So let's say you become a, a, a star, right. And, um, you land this, uh, let, let's say you land the lead on a TV show, right? Mm. And you get on this TV show and it has 23 episodes a year, right? So from the fall to the spring, you're going to be working 16 hours a day, five to six days a week for like eight months, nine months, 10 months of the year. And then you might have a few weeks break, you know, but then you're back to work. Mm. Yeah. Again. Right. So if, if, if you think that, you know, like, oh, I just want to be a movie star because I want to go party. That's <laughs> no, that's that's not it. That's 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 not it. You don't want to be a movie star. You just you just want to go party. And if that's the case, just go party. Go find someone to hang out with and do their drugs and drink their booze. Right. And, and yeah. leech off of them because that's that's what you really want. You know, it's so this winning lottery ticket isn't going to do anything for you because the, the hardest work of your life comes with that. Right. So think of, think of the people that, you know, so like Kevin Hart, for example, who Mm -hmm. was doing all the work that we didn't see. Right. And then he hit a few times and then now he's putting on these really big shows. Well, guess what? This dude is working every day, all day, all year now. Right. So the hardest work of his life came after that overnight success, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's funny because there's this, there's this this disconnect between oh you know I just want someone to present to me this measure of success right this mm. I just want a giant pile of money essentially what it boils down to I want a giant pile <laughs> yeah. of money to drop in my lap but the work it's going to take to maintain that status is more than anything you've ever done right so people mm. don't become billionaires because they work hard they become billionaires because they worked hard at one point and now all of their focus and time is how can i swallow as much stuff as possible to maintain this level of earnings right yeah. and so you just become this all day every day hunter consumer trader buying and selling businesses mm. instead of doing the work to earn the money yeah you know? So, but I mean, it, it, there is a there is a Netflix show. I mean, here I pro- it's all also in the U.S. No doubt, it's probably old there, but at least I'm fairly new here. It's called I think it's called Selling Sunset or something like that. But then when when you follow uh, some different uh, real estate brokers in I think it's in Hollywood and somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. when you just see them driving around in open Ferraris or Porsche and having all the fancy clothes and so on. And actually, and the actually, the funny thing is that you actually see some houses and at least 20% of the time they discuss real estate and how you actually do this. And 80% they just party and eat and so on. And, and if, if it's, and, and, and that is then being transferred into, okay, is that really it? You can just work 20% of the day and then party and doing nothing mm-hmm. for the last 80. And it's like, but, and, and you actually get that interpretation. You get that perception of reality saying, okay, it must be like that. And then I want to be that person. It's like, yeah, but no, they, I'm pretty sure they work 
all day, every day. And this is just a TV show once again, and that is not real life. And I'm really, really concerned that people really think that what they see on TV, the different shows, movies, and, you know, uh, one talk show place where Kevin Hart says, yeah, he flies in a private jet. Like, oh, he flies in a private jet, then he must be rich. And he's just doing these TV shows. That must be the easiest part of like, mm-hmm. no, That is just, he actually booked that show probably one year in advance, finding that two hours in his, sorry so, so to say, fucked up calendar where he yeah. sleeps three hours a day or something like that. If and then just yeah. travel around the world to actually do doing stuff. But you don't see that. You only yeah. see that glimpse of him walking down the red carpet in his fancy suit and just like, oh, that must be the life. Yeah, like, I no, wouldn't. It's, it's, it's I not. Really, it's I, not. I mean, I, that requires really something. Um, mm. And I think it was it, I can't remember who, on Ender Bloom or somebody at least, that was in the uh, Lord of the Rings movies mm-hmm. where they uh, filmed it. I think it's in New Zealand somewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. they, and one of them said that they lived in this, I mean, small wagon with a, a sleeping bed and a small chair, basically. Mm-hmm. And then they worked from four in the morning to midnight, more or less, yeah. all day, slept four hours, worked again. And they did that for two years, more or less. And mm-hmm. they had three weeks off in that entire year. Yeah, I mean, there is not many people that actually can, can do this. Just... Mm-hmm saying goodbye to family, friends, and whatever, just being there in that period of time, just working their ass off, yep. forgetting everything else. And people don't don't hear that story because that oh, that's boring. That's just work. I want to hear the story where you fly your private jet or buy yep. that new car and, uh, and buy the new house. In the, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that is, you know, yeah, just yeah. how it is, I guess. So. All right. I think... I think with that, we'll go ahead and wind down today's episode. It has been a pleasure having you on the show, Tommy. Um, again, he's he's in Denmark. It is now his weekend. Uh, uh, the, the sun is still bright and shiny for me, so I, I have a whole lot of day left. It's And, and my beer is empty now because yep. I'm just sitting here drinking. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. This was, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you being a part of this. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, man. Thanks, Jess. We'll call it there. We'll bring other Tommy to a close. Um, If you're listening and you're enjoying these, please come back for another episode next week. Um, For for me, I'm D. For Tommy, see you next week. Bye-bye.